Hey, it's Dave. Welcome to the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. We're going to do something a little bit different today because I have noticed that more people listen to the podcast, yes, I can actually tell, when I have a guest. So we have a guest today on the podcast to share some of her lessons about what she has learned in her life that might apply toward your life so you don't screw up your life so badly. I'm kind of kidding. We'll get started right now on the podcast. Here we go. Today and humming in the background is uh, Rachel. Hello, Rachel. Hello. Uh, I've known Rachel for a while because I met you, I think, at um, one of the different parties that the radio station has thrown. And uh, Rachel had told the story one time. Do you want to tell the story about uh, meeting your husband at the door? Do you want oh, to tell that story really gracious. quick? Yeah, sure. That's fine. Um, yeah, so about two years ago, um, it was uh, wintertime and we lived right down the street from a hockey rink. And so um, my husband decided to go kick it around with some people, play some hockey. Um, and while he was gone, he didn't want to bring his keys. And so I'm like, okay, we'll just leave your keys here and um, I'll lock the door. And when you get home, just ring the doorbell and I'll let you in. Um, no big deal. So uh, he goes off, plays hockey, and I am in the shower and I hear the doorbell ring. And I'm like, ooh, this should be a fun little welcome home for John. Mm-hmm. So I wandered out to the front door to let him in thinking it was him and I opened the door and you're naked I'm completely completely naked naked, and I basically like lean up against the door all sexy like welcome home and all I see I didn't have a light in the front all I see is this shadow of a person (laughs) and I'm just and the person was not responding and I was just like "Uh, John John and he's like uh uh, the person was like, um, uh, and I'm like, oh my God. And I like hid behind the door and I'm like, oh my God, you're not John, are you? And he's like, uh, uh I'm, I'm just trying to meet John and, uh, gotta go. And he like just scurried away and I'm like, holy shit. Like, so you opened the door naked for yep. somebody you thought was your husband, yep. but was not. Yep. And we so, never have any guests at our house. And so I, I had no reason to believe it was anyone else. So this tells you a little bit about Rachel. Rachel is, uh, <laughs> she's kind of a character. She's very funny. She's a smart ass, and that's why we like her. And I think you've come to, like, Fallon's Book Club and mm-hmm. some other things like that. So uh, when when I look for a guest for the show, I thought, Rachel's got some stories to tell. But also one of the things that Rachel's been dealing with was infertility. Rachel is now about five months pregnant. Is that right? Yep, that's correct. So you got through all that. So yep. we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, because that is a very interesting and delicate topic to talk about. Mm -hmm. And then also one of the things that Fallon and I brought up on the show, and I think Steve was in on this a couple of weeks ago, because Fallon's like, yeah, I'm not going to take my kid to church. And I said, well, I said, you certainly don't have to. But I said, I think that one of the things that we have a responsibility to for our kids is at least introduce them to the, the topic, the idea of religion. Whether they decide to go down that road is another story. My mom and dad sent me to church and Sunday school every freaking week and youth group and Bible camp and vacation Bible school and all that stuff. And I'm glad they introduced me to it. I'm not super religious now, but I'm glad they introduced me to it because somewhere down the road when you have no hope, let's say you're held hostage and you're kept in a crawl space somewhere and you have no hope at all, nobody can take your faith away from you. So you could at least have that. So... I've tried to instill in my kids, you know what, at least the idea of religion. So if they decide to go down that road sometime, they could. Fallon's like, no, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, that's fine. That's totally up to you. But you're wrong, (laughs) I said in a judgmental way. So let's start with 
Um, I think we want to start when you were a kid. Did you go to vacation Bible school and Sunday school and all that? And without getting into too much detail, a little bit about how, Rachel, you started with a religious upbringing. What turned the corner and then you turned into a big party girl, (laughs) probably around 18 or early college, right? Yep. So let's pick it up from when, what kind of upbringing did you have and then what turned the corner? Sure. Yep. So um, I grew up in um, ELCA Lutheran Church, um, which is kind of more of a liberal church, laid back. Um, went to church every Sunday with my parents. Um, I went to, I was very active in Bible study. Um, youth group was huge for me. I had a blast in youth group. I went every single Wednesday, just a lot of really awesome memories in youth group. Um, I was a, got good grades. I wasn't straight A's, but I got good grades and I never smoked, never drank, never had sex. I was very, you know, just basically the perfect child. And, uh, when I was 18, it was my senior year, uh, two days after Christmas, exactly, I know okay. exactly what day it was, um, my father gathered his children together. How many of you are there? There's three of us. So, three kids? Yep. Three kids, mom and dad? Correct. Okay. And so he gathered us around and he basically said, okay, kids, um, your mother and I are getting divorced um, and I am leaving in 24 hours. I have everything packed. I already have a, an apartment, a place to live. I'm leaving. Now, you can still remember this, I'm sure, vividly in your mind, where you were sitting, who was sitting where. Yep. <laughs> Probably you can picture it all in your mind. Yep. You had no idea this was coming. No None idea. None at all. Nope. Because nope. usually a lot of the time people say, yeah, my mom and dad were fighting a lot. I knew it wasn't working out. It was just kind of a matter of time. But you didn't see it coming at all. No, nope. If there was any arguments, it was always behind doors. Um, they always... They were not like super lovey-dovey in front of us, but they never really were mm-hmm. anyways, but they never were mean to each other. They they seemed to be perfect. And so in my life, I, I thought everything was perfect. I didn't see it. It's like being hit by a train or like getting hit by a giant wall of bricks, like just completely like my life just shattered. So how did that affect you? You say your life is shattered. And some people say, well, my mom and dad got a divorce and it was tough or what, whatever. Some people handle it different in, in different ways. Um, you said your life was shattered. What do you mean by that? Besides just the fact that your family's breaking up, how did it affect you? Well, it's funny. I, I guess it's kind of silly when you think about it looking back now. But when I was a child, I remember going to bed one night and I I had friends that had parents that were divorced. And I just remember asking them one night. I was like, Mom and Dad, they were giving me kisses goodnight. And I was like, promise me you'll never get divorced. Like, promise me, like, we'll be a family forever. And they're like, no, we'll never get divorced. And, and so, like, that promise was, like, very strong in my head, like, thinking, oh, we're never going to, like, our family's never going to break up. And so maybe for some reason I think I held on to that close to my heart that, like, oh, our family's going to make it through life and everything's going to be perfect. Sure, right. So you really believe that because your mom and dad told you that it was true. Right. Okay. So this is kind of where I learned my first big life lesson of things don't always go the way you plan. And... You just got to roll with the punches and, and um, you know, trust that God will will be by your side through those hard times. And he in the end, he will provide in those seasons of your life, whether they're good or bad. Now, we want to talk about the God thing a little bit because that is a really interesting thing. Like I said, with the, you know, the Fallon and your mom and dad obviously introduced you to religion and faith and having that, you know, the power of prayer, et cetera, et cetera. But as far as like, 
you were saying a little while ago that you, I don't know if you used the word, your life went off the rails and you just became kind of a different person <laughs> for a few years mm -hmm. because why? Because of the divorce, but can you remember what it was? You just kind of said screw life. Is that what it was or what? Yeah. So um, <laughs> the second half of my senior year after Christmas, the last semester was kind of um, just a big downfall. I mean, people were like, oh, you're just going through senior slide. You're, you know, your grades aren't doing so well because you're just ready to get out of school. And I'm just like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably partially that, but also the, the divorce just really hit me really hard not knowing, not seeing it coming, hitting me like, you know, wall of bricks. Um, I started doing dating websites when I was... Did you really? <laughs> so I did. So you're 18. I'm 18. Or I'm, so, and doing dating websites. Yep. And I met a 21-year-old man mm -hmm. um, who we dated for two months. And before, prior to meeting this man, I was very adamant of waiting to have sex till marriage. And uh, with <laughs> how I dealt with things, I was kind of starting to be like, fuck life, like... God doesn't care about us. Like, I'm just going to, you know, I, I had him wait two months and he he wasn't really pushing me that hard. But after two months, he was like, I can't wait any longer. Like, we, we got to, I, I really want to do this. And I was like, fine, I don't, I don't care, whatever. So I gave in and I lost my virginity to this 21-year-old man and my, um, <laughs> um, so I, I lost my virginity to this guy and I like, uh, that summer pr prior to college, I started drinking with him and just everything that I never did before. I completely just started having sex. I started drinking. He gave me pot one time and I was just like, fuck life, essentially. Like, <laughs> because because life had dealt you such an ugly hand and you were, I'm, I'm trying to get inside your head, mm -hmm. and you were like, well, if they can do this divorce thing to me, then why should I, you know, do my part for life. In other yeah. words, uh, you just kind of said, screw it all. Life is unfair. I'm not going to try anymore. Not going to try to be as good of a person, a moral person or whatever. Yeah. Well, and I okay. think just being such a goody goody, my entire first 18 years of life, I think people, and I don't know, cause I didn't live a normal, well, I, there's really no normal life, I guess, but basically a lot of times when people go to college, they do experience drinking. They do experience have, doing drugs. They do mm -hmm. experience sleeping around. But, yeah. but like for me, it was like the next level because like yeah, I was going to college and experiencing those different things. But I was so angry at life that I like kind of just didn't care, you know, who like how much I was drinking, who I was sleeping with, like because the twenty-one-year-old boyfriend and, my, and I broke up right before college because he understood like you're going to go to college and you're going to experience some things, sure, right. so you probably should go off and just do your own thing. So you go to college, and then in college, we, did you live that kind of a life all the way through college? No. So the first trimester, or first semester was... First trimester, I know what you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> She's pregnant. I'm pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. Um, first semester, I was just a shit show. That was probably like the worst that it had been. Like, that's probably the worst <laughs> it was. Uh, I was, again, the partying Wednesday, you know, wasted Wednesdays, thirsty Thursdays, Fucked up Fridays, like, you know, we labeled every single day as yeah, a, yeah. a reason to drink, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I met people that had smoked pot, and sometimes I would mix, mix pot and weed, or, I'm sorry, pot and alcohol, and then, like, I'd maybe have a one-night stand here, or, you know, I did meet my boyfriend that I did date for two years in college, and met him in the second semester, and thinking, okay, I need to, like, calm down a little bit over here, because I just, like, completely went off, went off the rails, yeah, like right. I said, so... So what 
eventually turned you around? Was it the boyfriend or what eventually, because you're, you seem like you're back to like, you know, you probably drink a little bit, but you know, here it is 10 years later, 12 years later, you're 33 now. What turned it around for you? What was the moment? Was there a moment? I don't think there was an exact moment because I think that entire time that I was angry at life and at God and my dad and everything, I think I still had that faith deep down because I experienced so much love and and greatness from God in the first 18 years of my life that I knew that he was still there. I was just really angry at him, just like, why did you do this to me? Like, why did life have to turn out like this? And um, I think um, throughout those years I dated my boyfriend, I I still drank a lot, and so did he, and we partied a lot, and I just didn't sleep around like I did my first semester. Sure, right. Um, I had a set boyfriend, but um, yeah, it's really, I honestly, I think as I got older and I started accepting what happened to me and um, kind of learning more about, I talked to my dad at some point um, about what happened, because I was like, I, I just want to know, like, how did this happen? It just came out of nowhere. I need some answers. Um, so I think once I learned that background of him um, cheating on my mom, and um, I, I think, I think honestly, it was just time. And I, I kind of knew I would come back around. It would just take me a while to, to kind of figure out my life and you know, why, um, why things happened. And I think, I think in a sense, the divorce was kind of a blessing in disguise. Because I I feel like I was very sheltered with just this perfect life that I started meeting new people from, um, you know, all all spans of life, you know, sexuality, races, um, spirituality. Um, I, and maybe that's just part of college, too. But I just I think I opened myself up a little bit more to to people and loving people for who they are and not judging because for example when I was in when I was growing up I was a soccer player I was a goalie and um, the goalie for the USA soccer team was like my epitome of like she was my the person I looked up to the most because she was amazing they won the 1999 World Cup Mm -hmm. and um, uh, and I was like oh my gosh she's so amazing and I was like oh she's she's a lesbian Ugh. And so when that's you're young, bad. you thought, oh, that's too that's bad. That's too bad. That's I still shame. liked her, but yeah. I was like, oh, man. Like... Because morality in the right. church had taught you, oh, well, that's too bad. Right, right. exactly. Okay. And um, But as I got to know people in college and even discovering myself, um, I was somewhat attracted to women as well. So maybe it was just me being like, like kind of denying it, but being like, well, I've learned that it's bad to be homosexual, but... But I, I think women are pretty attractive, too. Like, I never dated any women, but I've definitely kind of been like, oh, well, well. But, but just maybe, like, just learning more about, I think just life in general, you learn as you go. You learn more about yourself, and, and you kind of... So what did you learn? What did you... Know, see, the, the podcast is still my effort to say, hey, here's something that I went through, or a friend of mine went through. Here's what I learned from it. So now I can tell you about it, and maybe you won't make the mistake, or when it happens to you, you won't go... Holy shit, didn't see that coming. For example, don't loan people money is one of the things that I like to tell people because I've loaned so many people so much money over the years and I've learned either don't do it or don't expect to get it back. So what did you learn through all this process that you could tell when you have your baby? One day you want her to know 
this. So if it happens to her, she's not blindsided, blindsided by it. Is uh, there a lesson there? Well, I mean, the biggest thing for me is that I've learned that we all go through seasons. There's good seasons, bright and sunny, beautiful seasons, and there's really shitty, cold winter seasons. Mm-hmm. And um, even when you're in those winter seasons, the really dark times, especially, well, just looking back at my college years, God never left my side. He never left my side. Even when I denied him, when I was angry at him, he was there. And he was he was there reassuring me that things will be better. He has a plan. Um, even if it's not the plan that I imagined or in the time frame that I imagined, but he's always provided in the end. Every sing- I mean, there's countless stories I could tell you where I was down in the dumps and I was like, God, what is going on? I, I just, I'm miserable right now. I really want a boyfriend. I really want to find the one. Um, where is he? Like three years went by and I was dating all these guys and God was like, nope, nope, nope. And then when I met John, it was like, yep, that's the one for you. When did you meet John? How old were you? I was 25. You were 25. So you've been together for a while now. Eight years. Okay. You've been married for? Uh, it'll be three in May. Three in May. Okay. Um, so let's move up to, okay, well, first of all, let's go back to the, to the God and the faith and that type of thing. So what about people who ask for things and never get them? And I'm not trying to get you to explain how God works because we don't know how God works. Um, but, but the people who say my son is sick, God, please make him better. And their son never gets better. Well, where is God in that situation? Like I said, I'm asking you to explain God, but where is God for all the people who have lost their faith because their son died of leukemia or their husband died in a car crash? Where is God in those situations? That is a very big question. It is a big question. (laughs) And I think that's what a lot of us struggle with. It's like, okay, there'll be people. I talked to a woman one time. I went to her wedding and I didn't know her. I was was the guest of the, I was the, the plus one of a guest. And I remember we were in Stillwater, and it stopped raining. It rained all morning, and and then it stopped raining for her wedding. And she said, you know, I'm so happy. I prayed this morning that it would not rain for my wedding, and God answers prayers. He really does. And I was thinking, that's fucking stupid, be honest with you. So God answers your prayer about it not raining on your wedding, but the little girl with leukemia, her mom and dad, pray and pray and pray and the entire church prays and they start a prayer group on Facebook mm-hmm. and where's God? Mm-hmm. So I don't expect you to have an answer, but I think that's the problem yeah. that a lot of people have with that. Well, yeah. And I actually was at the, the Prego Expo today mm-hmm. and I met a woman who um, was selling these um, devices to basically hold your furniture to the wall. So, like so it doesn't tip over, right? Right, well, yep. Like climbing up a drawer, dressers, yeah. it won't tip over on the kid. I've seen that, yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. And she went into the story of her son dying three years ago because he. she left him, she like took her eye off him for a split second and she hears this bang, bang, bang and she walks oh. in and he he survived the, act, the initial hit but then like three days later he died. Mm-hmm. And she was like, it was the most devastating. I mean, of course, as a yeah. mother, you're just like, I mean... I don't know yet because I haven't had my child yet, but but many people say they take their eye off their kid for one second and boom, like their life is completely sure, changed. Right. Yeah. And um she told me, you know, 
it was miserable, but, you know, just having, by selling these items, it helped her kind of cope with it and Mm -hmm. come to terms with it and help others, you know, learn, please, like, buy these. I ended up buying a couple because I have a giant china set at home that I'm deathly afraid is going to tip over and not only, you know, break all my china, but also kill my child. So she told me that Faith got her through um, that situation and that it's kind of changed her life in the fact of like, and it, it doesn't make it any better that her child died, but she's also thankful that it helped her kind of find this other outlet to help others learn more about how they can prevent that from happening. That's very interesting. No, and I, and I see that because yeah, that, that, that God took her child away, but also gave her the opportunity in spite of all that pain to help other people. So Mm -hmm. I, I can, I can appreciate that explanation, but again, you know, we don't know why God does all the things he does. And I think for us to try to understand it, we just never will. Yeah, that's Um, Okay, so let's move on to infertility. Now, you had tried for a couple of years with no luck, and you and John are both young and healthy, and there should have been no reason why it wasn't working. So without getting into too much detail, what did you go through with that, and what did you get tired of hearing people say, and the frustrations and all of that, that experience? Sure. So um, we tried. We started trying around about April of two years ago. <laughs> I can't think. Pregnancy brain, 2017. Um, and uh, the first year, I we just we I went off birth control. I was in birth control for 13 years, and throughout those 13 years, I I asked my doctor multiple times, "Is this going to affect my chances of getting pregnant?" Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. As soon as you go off the pill, within three days, your body's back to normal. It might take you. A month, it might take you six months. It might, you know, everyone's different. Um, so I'm like, okay. So um, met with my OBG for the first time when I, we first started trying just to kind of get an idea of what to expect. And then she's like, just try for six, uh, try for a year. And if nothing comes around, we'll go from there. So, uh, you know, we just took it easy. We, you know, we just did our thing when we felt comfortable and whatever. Um, nothing happened, nothing happened. And, um after a year, we're like, okay, what's what's going on? Let's kind of look into this a little further. So they gave me um, a sh- uh, medicine called letrozole. And what you do is you take the medicine for two weeks, and then um, you go in, they give you an ultrasound, and if they see that the follicles are in the right position or something, in the magical position, mm-hmm. then they'll give you a shot, okay. and then they'll shoot. That basically tells the, the egg to shoot out, and you should have sex tonight, tomorrow night, and you should be pregnant because they know for a fact the egg is on its way. Okay. So did that or did the ultrasound, um, and the doctor came back saying you, um, we're not going to move forward with the shot because you have five cysts. Oh my! You didn't know you didn't know that. No, no idea. idea. Okay. No, nope. some women have pain, like really excruciating pain in their stomach. I I I'm Nothing. I'm very active. I do a lot of crunches and jumping and you know kickboxing and stuff but never felt anything nothing and so um they're like okay let's wait let's wait it out two months we're gonna let those die down because the letrozole could have made them go crazy and because they were like three were the size of like a cutie a cutie like an orange an orange, orange. Yep. yeah okay and <laughs> good good comparison was, a cutie yeah. okay and two were the size of like gr- grape tomatoes okay i so, got you yep. anyways um and so they died down, and then I went in for an MRI because I wanted them to get a very, very clear look at what was going on. And they discovered that, yep, most of them went down in size, but one has grown. 
and not only has it grown, but it is a dermoid cyst, which if you Google it, it is really disgusting, is basically a cyst made out of skin, hair, sometimes teeth, like this nasty little thing. In your lower area. Yeah. So you never know what it's made out of, but it's just, it's yeah, yeah okay. It's not just like a, something that can be drained or mm-hmm. removed or whatever. Right. Well, so what, Did you remove it? So, yep. Yeah, so they discovered that all of the cysts were on my left side. My yeah. left side was yeah. fucked up. Yeah. And John and I jokingly... Instead of like, well, we're not pregnant, but we got a little something hanging out in there, growing teeth and like hair, and <laughs> and I like lovingly called it Ralphie because I think Ralphie's an ugly name, and so okay. I'm like the stupid thing. I'm gonna call it Ralphie. So long story longer, I go in and they um, go in to try to remove this. This by this point, it's the size of a grapefruit. Okay, and um, while they're in there, they discovered that it was so attached to my left ovary. That if they tried to, you know, pick around it, it would have basically destroyed my ovary. So in the end, they had to remove my left ovary completely, which I signed a a form beforehand. But like, oh, we should be fine. This probably won't happen. But just in case, you're going to be knocked out, so we can't ask you. Right. So I'm like, well, if the doctor foresees it being an issue, then yeah, of course, like take it out. So I just remember waking up from just being woozy, and I'm just like, how to go, doc? And she's like, yeah, we had to, we had to remove the remove your left ovary unfortunately and I was just like holy shit like as a woman you're born into this world the most primal thing in this world is to reproduce right to reproduce have children if at the very core of life when you think about it and so when half of that's taken away from you it completely destroys you you're just you feel like half of you is gone um but she gave me hope. She said that my right ovary was completely healthy. My left, even my left fallopian tube was healthy. So they left both fallopian tubes in there and the one ovary and they said, you should be able to get pregnant. How long it'll take, we don't know, but it depends on how fast your body, you know, heals and, and how fast it readjusts. Um, and um, my mom actually gave me hope too because she has a cousin who also lost an ovary And she had like nine pregnancies and five kids out of those pregnancies. Mm, Wow. Okay. So, I mean, it just took a little bit longer, but she, she, it worked. So, um, so, and actually the months following that, my cycles were actually a lot like more normal. Like every, before that it was like 38 days, 35 days, 28 days, like 28 days is normal. Mm -hmm. So I was having 28, 35, 38 and like all over the place. After this, it was like, oh. Okay, my right side is like, all right, now that Ralphie's gone, mm-hmm. he's not cock blocking us over here. <laughs> like, we can finally move forward with getting this baby thing going, you know? So, um, so it actually got helped out in that sense. But then it's the whole people say, okay, just relax, like, just have fun. Like, oh, it's well, the see, fun part. And that's what I want to ask you about yeah. was the things that are annoying because. We talked to Kate Raditz. Kate Raditz yep. had, had gone through kind of what you did. I listened to it and I was crying. Yeah, I was a bubbly mess. I was and, like, oh my and, God. And she told such a great story. I, I sat back and let her talk. Mm-hmm. And I remember that day Steve kept trying to jump in and ask her questions. And I had to shush him to say, let her tell her story. And if you go back and listen to that, it's her for like 15 minutes just telling her story. Mm-hmm. And the guys were shutting up to let her tell her story. Mm-hmm. But I want to ask you a question. What are the things that and here I am interrupting you but mm-hmm. but what are the things that people would say to you like oh just go have fun you get to have a lot practice it's lots of practice yeah it's i mean essentially like so yeah like when people say 
oh, just relax. But when you are tracking your periods every month and trying to nail down the exact day that you are ovulating, Mm -hmm. because you only ovulate for like 24 hours or something like that. And so like you only have this small little tiny window and somehow people just, oh, whoops, we got pregnant. It just happened. We just happened to have sex on the day. And isn't it crazy that somebody will hook up with some guy in the parking lot of a bar somewhere and get pregnant. And then there are other people who have tried for years and struggle to get pregnant. Right. So when they this, say when they say relax, I'm like, I'm fucking tracking my days like one after another and like trying and then doing ovulation tests, like peeing on tests. There's ovulation tests to figure out exactly when you're and then it's like, OK, honey, got to have sex tonight. Got to have sex the next day. And it's just like it takes the romance out of it. Oh, I mean, totally. Yeah. We, we tried to we did have sex outside of the fertile week, but it was because we wanted to try to keep the romance going. Sure, right. But, Not make it all like, mechanical. Yeah, yeah, but I'm like, well, we got to have sex that day because if we want to get pregnant, then we got to... And, and there's time. there were times where I was like, not happy with him. He was in the doghouse. And now I'm like, got to have sex with but him. But you got to do it anyway, <laughs> yeah, right? if I want to get pregnant. Even though he's been an ass that day. Yeah, and right. I'm like, oh, fine. Okay, here we go. So what, so what, so we talk about things that people shouldn't say. Relax had to really piss you off because mm-hmm. Kate Raddatz, She's a little bit high strung, and we give her a hard time about it anyway. So I think that her being told relax just kind of really got under her skin. Mm-hmm. You're yep. pretty hyper, so people telling you to relax, and I mean that in a good way, you have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. People telling you to relax, did that really get under your skin too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm a planner by trade. Like, that's that's my job. I'm a meeting planner, so okay. I like, I want to plan things. And so when people are like, just relax, I'm like, yeah, but I have a plan. Like, I want this. I want to be pregnant by this time to make sure I can do this. And, you know, I got to make sure that I can go on this trip because if it's eight months in, I got. So, like, I'm, like, trying to, like, get it. I'm trying to get pregnant by a certain time so I can go on this trip mm-hmm. or whatever it is, you know, like. And so. So yeah, then when you definitely. finally got pregnant, was there any magical formula that did it? Or was it just it turned out that being persistent was the answer? Funny you ask, actually. I posted, so I am not afraid to, and maybe I'm a TMI person who talks about it on social media too much, but I'm kind of, I kind of feel like it's good to talk about things out in the open and not, I mean, to to relate with other women that are going through the same thing. What did you talk about? What did you talk about? What about in the, so you talked about it out in the open? Yeah, like on on Facebook. Okay. Yep, yep, exactly. And like, because I. I felt like I was alone, but I knew there were other women out there like me. And I feel like when people in any topic you think about, some it's sometimes sometimes people feel like they just it's like the big elf in the room. They don't want to talk about it with anyone else, and no one else is going through it. But I think it's important to talk about it and to and to just find those support groups. I'm a big advocate in finding support groups. It doesn't it doesn't make you a bad person or like a, that you're you know, weak or something. Like having that support group is really helpful to get through those hard times and so um I, so i was asking was there a magical formula that oh, then yep. or did it just like oh one month it happened no uh so i so i put it on facebook and i had women come out of the woodworks that i have haven't talked to since high school or whatever and they're like have you tried this have you tried that and this one woman from college who i wasn't that close with but she gave me this advice she gave me a list of like four different things to try and then by this point, I'm like, fuck, I'll try whatever. I'll do whatever it takes, you know. And um, like one of them, like whoever thought that Mucinex would help that area down mm, there become okay. more lubricated. Okay. But you have to take it like 15 minutes prior or like a whole day prior to get that working. Um, and then there's thing, a thing called a Diva Cup. Well, Diva Cups are typically used for menstruation. 
It's basically like this cup that you stick inside your vagina and it catches the blood and then you sit on the toilet and you let the blood out. And it sounds disgusting. Mm, I've never yeah. actually done it with a menstrual cycle. But she said, after he comes inside you, put it inside you and it'll hold, it'll only give. It'll hold it up there. It'll, the sperm has one direction to go up. Up. Okay. It can't go out. It's got one way to go. So I'm like, okay. And then, um, shoot, I'm trying to think what the other ones were. Um, there were four. You said there was the um, Mucinex, uh, the, Mucinex, the Diva Cup. Diva Cup. Uh, so without remembering what they were, it seemed like those coincided with, oh, boom, you're pregnant. So that might have been the magic formula. Yeah. Well, I, the, the very first time I tried those four items, that I was, was it. I was pregnant. So let's see. Is that, that can be... I don't have any idea what I'm talking about, but it could be frustrating when somebody says, well, you haven't tried what I've tried, and you're like, screw you, I've tried that, I've tried everything. So it could have been that was the magic bullet that actually got you pregnant, mm-hmm. or it could have been just like, you know, that just happened to be that way. Right. But whatever it is, it yeah. worked. Does it bother you? Because we did a contest on our show about a year ago where we, we called it like the Dave Ryan Baby Derby or something like that, and people got really pissed at us because we were, you know, having fun and making light of people becoming pregnant. Now, we had done the same contest 20 years ago, at least two or three times. Nobody got mad at us. And I don't know what the difference is in our culture, but we we were surprised. It's like, wow, can't you just be joyful for someone else who's getting pregnant? Do you have to make it about you? But it's not fair for me to say I've never been involved in like, you know, a couple that's, you know, that's had fertility issues. Did it bother you? I know you probably listened to that contest, but did it also bother you when somebody would have a baby shower or somebody would have a a gender reveal party? Did it kind of piss you off and like, you know what, I'm really bitter and I shouldn't be because it's so easy for you and it's not easy for us? Yes. Actually, it's funny you say that because when we started trying... Four of my closest girlfriends, all of them got pregnant. Boom, 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 boom. And um, uh, the last girl to tell me she's um, pregnant, I was drinking that night and she called me up and she was like, hey, Rachel, like, I just came back from vacation with my husband and I'm pregnant. And and she was, they weren't trying. They were just kind of like, just having a good time. They just got pregnant and, and I was drunk and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Congratulations! So you, so you weren't happy for her really at that moment at all. Well, she she knew my struggle. Okay. She knew what okay. I was going through, so she kind of laughed at it, and maybe maybe she hasn't told me that she felt kind of hurt by it, but mm. but she, I know her well enough that I knew she'd be like, oh well, she's you know she's obviously happy for me, but like she's obviously very frustrated. So um so yes, I <laughs> it was like. One after the other, and I was just like, really? And every single one of them were like, whoops, they just happened. And I'm like sitting over here, and I like made a, I made a purchase online to like, um, there's a way that you can, oh shit, I feel like I forgot. No, that's right. You made, a, you made a purchase online. I just made a purchase, a drunken purchase online to like help with my, trying to track myself. Oh, okay. My, that has, okay, right. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, and so I was, yeah, I definitely, well, like going to... Baby showers, I found it so difficult because I would have to go into the baby section to find items and, oh my God. and things. And so I, I tried yep. to find, I decide what I was going to buy first, go in there, get what I need, and get the hell out of there because I was just, I would start crying and being like, everything is so cute. Now, 
people feel bad about that, and I don't think you should feel bad about that at all. It's, uh, honestly, we all have a little bit of that in us, and we all want to be happy for people who get the promotion, who get the raise, who find the perfect partner, who buy a new Mercedes, who you know go on a wonderful vacation. But I think there's, because we're human, there's a little bit of us that gets a little bitter, especially if good things aren't happening to us and it comes so easy to them. I get bitter sometimes because I've been at KWB for 26 years, and in a lot of ways, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't had to move. My kids have got to grow up in the same neighborhoods, knowing the same friends, and and going to the same schools. But at the same time, I see people whose shows aren't nearly as good as our show is, and that's the truth, get syndicated nationally and make a whole lot of more money and even steal our material from the radio. And I am I supposed to go, hey, good for you, Joe, for having the great show and making four times what I make. And thanks for stealing my bits. So mm-hmm. I think that there is this this thing where we expect each other to be always happy when somebody has something wonderful happen to them. But honestly, we're human. And it's not always that way, mm-hmm. especially with something so personal mm-hmm. as getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't feel bad about that. Yeah. I think that um, you know, Kate shared with us the same kind of things like going to baby showers and seeing friends get pregnant. It's like, oh, yeah, we got pregnant on our honeymoon. Oh, really? Screw you. Yeah. 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 Well, and and I thought, I thought, okay, so my sister was also on birth control and she went off birth control when they got married and two months later she got pregnant. Boom. Boom. Fertile myrtle. So I'm like, well, we got the same DNA. I should be able to get pregnant right away too, right? Mm -hmm. Not so much. We got different DNA, like similar, but not the same. Can you imagine though? I mean, you, you had some health problems that that kind of pointed to you might have some problem getting pregnant. So it wasn't a total mystery. Right. Are there people who, and I don't know, so I ask you, are there women or couples who they test him, he's fine. They test her, she's fine. Still, mm-hmm. three years go by and nothing happens. Does that happen too? Yep. It does. Yep. I actually have a friend right now who um, is pregnant. She's due in July and um, they both were tested I'm not exactly sure what it all tests. I know that there's a sperm test. But everything came out fine. Everything came everything out came fine. Everything came out normal. Yep. And they were diagnosed with um, unexplained infertility. Unexplained infertility. Yep. Okay. Yep. So let's step, step back for a second because the show is all about learning things from our experience. So what did you learn that you can share with either other couples that are struggling with this or just in general? What did you learn from this whole experience if you step back and look look at it? Because we want to use your bad experiences, Rachel, to make my life better. That's my goal is to find out what you screwed up or what bad happened to you. And I'm tongue in cheek over here. I'm kind of laughing a little bit. What did, what did you learn that I can apply to my life? Is there anything? Well, kind of circling back to the faith thing, I I always had faith that God would come through. And whether it was, you know, maybe we wouldn't have children of our own, but we would adopt. I have a cousin and his wife, they tried for five years um, and they adopted these twins and they adore these twins. They couldn't see their life any any different than being with these two adorable little children. And um, and so it, it didn't, God didn't answer their prayers for their own child, but yet he provided them with these two children that they absolutely adore, love, and they're moving forward with. And, and growing in their faith. And they're very faithful people as well. Um, one's, uh, my cousin's a, a youth pastor. Um, and so it was very difficult for them. So through life, it, it, during the time that it was really 
really hard. And two years doesn't sound like a long time. Some people go through way more years of infertility. Some people go through IVF and mm -hmm. and yeah. several and a lot cycles. of money. Yeah, a lot mm -hmm. of money. Yeah. Exactly. So not that I'm that my experience is any little or less than other people. Sure. Um, I still went through a lot of down, depressing times. But in my situation, um, my without going into detail, my husband and I kind of went through some bumps during those time, the t the two years that we were trying to get pregnant. And we went to therapy and I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe God wants us to figure ourselves out first and kind of work through the weeds and, um, you know, figure out uh, how, cause we both communicate differently. And so kind of figuring out how to communicate well with each other. And we never got to the point, we've never been to the point where we were going to consider divorce. It's just more like it wouldn't hurt to talk to a therapist to kind of have that third person. So for me going th to therapy and still start struggling with infertility and even as this was going on i was thinking maybe god just wants us to figure ourselves out before we bring another child into this world there's a reason why god is like holding off a little bit until and then by the time that we found out we were pregnant we were on really good terms we we spent six months in therapy and we were doing a lot better and so i'm like you know what i think that was why i think that was why and so so i just want to say that and I know some people think it's super corny, but I, I truly think there's a reason for everything. And God has, like, God knows everyone's plan in life. And even if you have a plan for something, he might laugh and you say, no, 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 that's, that's not how it's going to go. Um, this is your plan. This is your purpose in life. And um, it's, it's not as easy as it sounds to stop and listen and try to follow um, no, especially if you don't have that faith to begin with. There's a mm -hmm. lot of people who don't have faith, a lot of people who, good people who don't believe in God. When I grew up, I thought atheist was a terrible person akin to a devil worshiper. And it's no, it's like no. the theism is a belief in God. There's monotheism, which is a belief in one God, polytheism, who is a belief in many gods or more than one God. Then there's atheism, which you don't believe that there is a God, mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that you are not a good person. Oh, no, so, I, I have several very close best friends of mine um, that are not believers. And we've had talks here and there, but I respect where they are in life mm -hmm. and what they believe. I don't, I'm not the kind of Christian who tries to push religion on them. And you swear a lot too. I was going to say for, for a good Christian, <laughs> I think we got about six fucks, several shits and yeah, a couple of goddams here and yeah, there. So it's true, but you know, I'm a sinner too, you know? You know what? It's funny because I have people in my life that are very devout Christians and they've honestly become a lot less fun because they're just, they're so careful of what they do. And I'm going to just kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it by saying, if it works for you, you cannot argue with that. If mm -hmm. your faith works for you, mm -hmm. who am I to argue? Mm -hmm. I look at Mormons and I look at the Mormon religion and I go, this is a really difficult background of a religion to believe with, you know, Joseph Smith finding the copper tablets under a tree. And hey, I watched South Park. I've seen Book of Mormon. I know how silly the basis of it is. But you look at the Mormon community and how strong it is in Mormon families and how strong they are. And you go, it works for them. Mm -hmm. You could say the same thing about Christianity. You could say like, oh, wait a second. So you're telling me this guy mm -hmm. was born and these wise men came and he grew up and he um, uh, he turned the water into wine. Then they hung him on a cross and then he crawled out from under behind the rock three days. That's come on. That's a little bit crazy. But that's the story. That's that's if it works for you, it works for you, whatever the faith is. If you have faith in, you know, if you carry a, a lucky 
a penny in your pocket and you swear that that lucky penny is responsible for all the good that happens to you, it's a horrible comparison to God and a lucky penny. But if it works for you, who is to argue about that? Right. And I mean, all I can do is love on them. And, you know, they're a human being, a child of God, just like just like you and I. And maybe they're on their own journey that may or may not end in finding Jesus as their savior, but I'm still going to love on them because they're amazing people. And you know what? I knew you for probably, I don't know, a good six months or a year or something like that before I found out that you are so faithful and religious and go to church, go to church like every Sunday. I do. Yes. If I humanly possibly can go, I go. If I have to work or something else is happening, then I go do something. I can celebrate the Sabbath other ways on my own time. You don't have to do it on Sunday. I gotcha. Rachel, is there anything else you wrote? I said, Rachel, we're going to talk about this on the on the podcast today. And Rachel wrote like three volumes of a journal <laughs> of what she wanted to talk about. Is there anything, because we're kind of running out of time, is there anything that you wanted to talk about or that you wanted to get your point across? Again, because the podcast is all about helping other people live their best life through the things that we have learned. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. Is there anything that we didn't get to? Mm, and if no. there's not, then that's okay. No, no. I just, you know, keep the faith and... And just know that God always provides, no matter what, even even when you don't expect it. Um, yeah. Uh, Rachel, when are you going to have your baby? September 6th. So you're right around with Fallon. She's like yep. right after the State Fair. Mm-hmm. So, yep. okay. Um, I fully y- plan to go to the State Fair in a wheelchair and demand my cheese curds. Please do. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. I'll be too big to walk around, but I'm going to be like, give me my cheese curds. I'm hungry. Pregnant it, lady's hungry. If you want to see Rachel, she is on the uh, Facebook page. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. Uh, the book is still available at uh, Amazon, your local bookstore. You can get it, uh, I think, a little bit cheaper at itaskabooks.com. And if you ever get it then and you want to bring it down to the radio station to get it signed, I actually do that for people all the time. So if you want to order it, it's a great graduation present because there's a lot of lessons in there for people that are younger. I was speaking at a big Toastmasters group this week, and I shared three or four lessons from the book, one of which was stop at lemonade stands. So when you see a lemonade stand this summer, stop at one because it makes the kids' day. My experience with that is I had one, and we were out in the country. We had like one car come by every 10 minutes, maybe every 10, 20 minutes. And we were out there all afternoon. One car finally stopped, and it made our freaking day. So stop at lemonade stands. The book is Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Same thing on Facebook. So just search for that. There's also a, um, a Kindle version of the book, too, if you want to check that out. And thank you, Rachel, for being on the podcast today. Thank you. Good luck with the baby. My best wishes to you and John. And uh, we'll see you next week on Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. Thanks for listening.